We want to get the point across that it's English fine bone china, it's silkscreen printed, it's hand decorated, it's all the, these lovely skills that people have got that we employ. And I think through the whole process, I've only been working out 20 odd different sets of hands or such a product from, from slip casting through to final finished product. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me every Tuesday and Friday when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice on making in the UK. Let's crack on with the show. Welcome to episode 84 of the Make It British podcast. So I've got another factory tour for you this week, except it's not actually a factory, it is a pottery. Because I recently took a trip to Stoke-on-Trent, famous home of UK pottery, and I went to meet Andy Tooth and Jason Sims, who own heraldic pottery and who've been members of Make It British for quite a while now. Now, more recently, Andy and Jason did quite a brave thing. They bought one of the last remaining potteries in Stoke, called Duchess China and it was established in 1888. Now just three decades ago Duchess China was making over a hundred thousand pieces of its fine bone china a week. Now it's just a tenth of that. And whereas there were more than a hundred members of staff working out of the pottery there are now just 32. However Andy and Jason do have grand plans for the business which they had actually recently only bought when I went to see them. So as well as visiting Duchess China, I also went to see their original business, which they still own, Heraldic Pottery. Uh, So you could kind of say that this is a buy one, get one free episode because we're actually going to be going on two factory tours here. So let's take a trip to Stoke-on-Chent to meet Andy and Jason from Heraldic Pottery. Right, thank you very much for having me here today, chaps. Can you start by telling everyone what your names are and what your roles are within the company? Um, my name's Jason Sims. Um, I tend to overlook uh, design, uh, print, sort of creative elements of the company. And I'm uh, Andy Tooth. I'm, uh, I look after the, uh, the finances and production side of uh, Duchess China. Brilliant. And we you've got three businesses now, haven't you? Because when you first joined us at Make It British, you were um, just heraldic. And now you've got three. Do you want to explain to everyone what the three businesses are and the two that we're going to do the tour around today? Well, um, yeah, so Dutchies Way are now is um, predominantly um, English, English fine bone china, um, which dates back to 1888. Um Basically, we produce um, sort of bespoke lines here um, for clients. It could be decorated. Um, you can have your own special product made from scratch. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's actually it's probably the only last um, great surviving uh, fine bone china producer of any date that's left as well, ironically. What, what we're doing and yeah, where we are, really. <laughs> and you've got a third business as well, haven't you? 
Yeah, the third business uh, we we currently run is called Homeware Creative. Uh, Homeware uh, was an historic printing facility, uh, which was uh, under former guises. Uh, We we tend to look after a lot of uh, large format decal printing for ceramic and the glass industry. And we also uh, produce uh, silk screen printed textiles uh, and also placemats for, for basically covering any homeware kind of uh, products required from customers. Brilliant. Right. So, should we go and look around Duchess China? So, we start off in Duchess China, which is in a wonderful old Victorian building in the centre of Stoke. So basically, uh, it's a mixture of uh, a gypsum... Yeah, plaster of Paris. Plaster of Paris. Basically, what H is doing here is he's got a blocking case and he's making a mould from a blocking case. And from the moulds, we obviously cast the wear from the moulds. So about, no, on, on average, well, every 50 to 60 casts, on average, you'll need a new mould. The mould becomes um, un, unusable. What you've got in here is, is a cup shop. So this is where we're a bit more automated, i.e. the cups are being turned now. So we've still got moulds. We've got a clay going into a mould, and then they're turned on a, on a machine. Uh, and put then you've got a team of ladies who would be actually putting the handles on, and they're not there at the moment. Put the handles on. While she's making hands. Making hands. Making handles. The handles are actually stuck on by eye piece coordination. So the cup, the cup bases are made on the machine, then the handles are stuck on as a separate entity. So by hand. So basically, you put a little bit of slip on, you put the handle on, and then they'll, they'll, they'll sponge the access off there. So again, very automated. I mean, when we go upstairs, you'll see hand glazing being done. So again, it's not all spray lines and machines. There's so many sets of hands that are involved in the making of the ceramic stuff. You know, we're not, we haven't got these, like your, your Wedgwoods and that, we haven't got these big automated um, production lines, basically. So basically, because it, it's a two-piece mould, so the two pieces of the mould come together, the slip's poured in. And when you break it apart, it leaves a, a seam. So that's the seam, they seam it. So it's taken away the, the roughness, so the, where the two pieces are coming together. We then continue on our tour around the winding rooms of the pottery. We go up and down stairs and into rooms that are white with pottery dust and with racks and racks of pottery in various stages of their manufacture. And we come on to this room where the firing takes place. Once you've been cast and you've got it in a bisque, well, a clay form, it goes here for, for bisque firing, basically. So this is taking right. it to its next stage. So from this, actually, that's actually, a dry clay. Hi, Andy, you're right, mate. You see this fire is shrinking. Oh, gosh, yeah. So, this is uh, what called bisque firing. So these there will be three trucks in that kiln now, so that they're firing now, while these are being emptied and placed, ready to be swapped over. So this is on a 14-hour cycle, so from ambient heat up to top temperature. So this is going up to about 1,280 degrees, so it's quite a bit of heat work going into that into that product. So once you say you've got that done and fired, this needs to be glazed. Now, that's the next um, step of, it, of its life, basically. 
As we carry on to the next stage of the process, we come up to another much older kiln. And here Andy explains the difference between this old kiln and the modern one that they now use. There's an old biscuit tunnel kiln. So that would be, that would work uh, at the time when it was you know, at full production of the factory years ago on a 24 hour, seven day a week. So it would never, with gas burners, it would never switch off. So you literally have to keep it going, keep it going all the time. Yeah, so what's the one that I've just seen through there? That, what's that's, that one on? That's cool, that's, an, that's a gas kiln, but it's an intermittent, so you can literally switch it on. What this, because it's on a tunnel, so literally trucks moving along constantly. So it would take, uh, I think it would take about 20 hours from one end to the other, the other. to come through. Well, that would have to be, obviously manned all the time like, yeah. so you could never you could never well, switch that, it down. he was actually making over 100,000 pieces a week here then and now we make about 10,000 when was it making 100,000? 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 30 years ago basically and so again this is if you look at it there from you know the amount of output and you know the, the money this factory was taking in to what it is now it does actually make the things more bespoke the fact that there's only 10,000 a week you know, it's a, it's a, a, you know, a tenth of, of what it used yeah. to be production-wise. And again, staff-wise, I think we've got 32 still now, whereas then, what, did it have been 100 and so? Yeah, so again, it's disproportionate for what we've got now here and what we can actually output. So the plan's to grow it, though, I see. Plan's to grow it, yeah. We know, listen, we'd never, because we'd never do that again, I don't, you'd never get it to them sort of figures. But again, I don't think we need to. The fact that we are making bespoke, that it is for a certain market, I don't think it needs to be. We're not, we're not after that mass market. It, it is very much about the more refined, um, you know, clients out there. At the end of the day, we're offering something that's a little bit more special. Another process here. So what's going on in here? That's a nice fibro machine. Basically, once it's been fired and biscuits, it could have basically imperfections on it. We could have a bump on it. Could have uh, a better loose play on it. What they've got, so the pieces are going in going round and it's basically an abrasion of a mixture of stone and wood that is an abrasive so it'll get rid of the, the gun, any infection. So it exfoliates yeah. it? Yeah, exfoliates it. Yeah, yeah. Our new department. Whilst a lot of the processes of the Duchess are done by machine now, there are also some that are still done by hand. And here, Andy and Jason take me into a room where ladies are hand casting some pottery. So these pieces have been hand cast at the moment. So like the teapots and that, the larger items, will actually be, you'll be pouring the slip into a mould and then it's left to set. Take it out now. So it's left to set. Um, it varies on different uh, different pieces. But basically, once it is done and set, it's tipped to the excess slip out of there, which is basically liquid clay. Um, and then say it took out. And when you see when it's first took out, it'll have these, as Andy was saying, because they're made in different parts of the mould. You see the steam that's on there. Yeah, yeah. So that basically has got to be got to be sponged off. So through the next room, we've got a, a, a team of girls who basically do what we call fettling and sponging. So getting all the the imperfections off that way as well. Again, this is where we oh, this nice. is can we do get a bit more um, if we if we have to scale up, should we say? Oh, this is a automatic casting machine. So where we're hand. Uh, 
pouring over there. This is basically done on a belt system. So the mould's put in one end, so it'll come along here. And there's actually guns will fire in the, the slip straight into the mould. So it's a bit more automated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is a, a teapot and a teapot lids. Oh, is that a teapot? I know that more. So uh, this will be filled and basically you slip then, it's dropped out and it goes back through a dryer and splits apart on the other end and it goes through fettling and splitting. It basically means, if, say if we have to upscale, so Twiney's come along and say wonderful products working, we need 5,000 of them. This allows us to do about 400 a day on this machine on a normal working day. Again, if you back on two lines, on so we two could yeah. extra, so you, you could double that up. So there's yeah. only actually two guns working. At the moment, uh, but there's four, it's a four-gun system, so like I say, we can upscale quite quickly if uh, if needs be. So much potential, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing is, if we need to, you know, flick it on, shall we say? Yeah. Again, I you think can. you can do. Again, I think it's it's key that. Uh, yeah, but also by buying this place, it's made you vertical. So you've taken out the middleman and probably quite a bit of cost with your blanks, haven't you? So we're that still gonna theory makes surrounding pottery more profitable, doesn't it? Because you've still gonna buying it super cheap anyway. No, no, it's, it's we're, we're we, still we gonna can't. keep it as a, yeah, a separate entity. So yeah. the three companies will still be even though it'll be a group holding. It'll still be, that's got to make a profit. This I think, has got to make a profit. I think what's more important is coming into Dutchies, is, is coming in to get the place running, I won't say properly, but getting better machinery, basically, more staff, and really to make sure we've got a consistent quality there. And again, we'd need to, the, the infrastructure really, the staff are super um, skilled who we've got here. Um, like I say, some of the machinery is a bit dated. I think that's where we need to invest in it all. And obviously bringing, as we said earlier, new people along into industry. That way, if we can get the quality up, that'll obviously in turn bring profitability up. And obviously, it, 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 all, you know, it all works in line with each other. But you know, as Andy was saying earlier, I can't really, you couldn't rob one company to benefit another company. Everything's got to work on its own merit, basically. Yeah. And again, back to that custodian things, me and Andy are, over the three companies, we're custodians at the end of the day. You know, that's kind of, you know, certainly with more than anything with this building we're in at the moment with Dutchies, because it's such an historic brand. These are our, these are the, the handle ladies, as I know them. My, my handlers, if that sounds wrong, don't you think? That very Multitask. We've found some new words today, haven't we? Yeah, we have found some new words today. But no, again, you know, all the jobs that they're doing skilled, it's all, yeah. again, it's all hand, you know, they're not, um, yeah, we're reliant on machines a little bit, but a lot of it is the hand done, the, the local skill. So this is where they're taking the... Is that the train? No, obviously trucks. trucks. Oh, what's well, obviously, you've got another floor above here? <laughs> yes. How many floors are there in this building? Three. Four. You three don't even know yet. Four with them. <laughs> yeah. Four. Four, including three the spooky basement. And he's still working. <laughs> You see the ladies doing at the moment. It's, basically, this is just battling and sponging, so they're getting all the seams. And um, so, where they've come out the mould, see the seams are on there. So they're actually just working around with sponges, little, little sponges on sticks, and all manner of different uh, devices that, they've, uh, that have been developed over the years. So, do some people have different ways? So, this lady's got a sponge on a stick. You haven't got. A sponge Depends on where stick. you're going. If you're going around handles and stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Ah. yeah. Now they've got the see lollipops as we call them. Lollipops. Basically. Yeah. There's loads of terminology in, in, with it all. I mean, you know, if you'd come here probably fifty years ago, you wouldn't have understood anybody. And it's bad stuff. <laughs> now it's been costing to do this and costing to do that. How long does it take for so let's say one of these mugs that we're looking at there with the handle on it, how long does it take 
from when the when they're first putting the clay in the mold mm. through to when these ladies are finished. I mean, it's quite a lot of process, isn't it? How long does the whole thing take, start to finish? Well, it depends what the production is going through, because you've yeah. obviously you've got your firing in between that, which you know, you're talking, like I said before, it's 14 hour firing. You've got a dry, obviously drying on the boards when it's first made or in a dryer, depending on what the products are. So again, it, yeah, it does depend, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's more key again, but the sets of hands that touch it as opposed to the length of time. So how uh, many sets of hands are there, do you think? Oh, gosh, be so much easier. Why have I suggested that? <laughs> uh, you did you've only got, buy it a week ago. Yeah. So no, you... put your fence in, you're getting some from, 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 the, from, the, from the clay. You, you've got, obviously, someone who's, whether it's casting or machine cast, is on there. But obviously, when you're going to put a handle on it as well, you've got, um, yeah. obviously, putting it in the first kiln, uh, second kiln, glazing it. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in this factory alone, I bet you'll be talking eight, you could be on a thing with Viro machine, you're talking eight to 10 sets of hands, couldn't you, ladies, on a, on a product on average, yeah. easily. Then that's before we get hands on it for decorating. When you look at the screen printing, the lithographing, the gilding, Again, you know, I think I chucked a figure of 20 sets of hands, and I think that's kind of could be, you know, be quite liberal on some products that we make. That's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. For a mug that retails for. Well, yeah, average, well 20, 20, I think the average thing of people we deal with down it's 15 to 20 pounds. So again, when you put all the facts. Bargain. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the old thing is totally undervalued because yeah. it's obviously the importance that, yeah. that come in. So. But, but yeah. that's where it's great that you're adding the value. You're putting that it's made in the UK, that it's heraldic pottery. Educating people. I yeah. think what today's about is edu educating people of what it is about. Because yeah. people lose track of it's a mug. You know, we're making stuff that actually a lot of time becomes a tactile object that's either art for somebody or the favourite thing. If you think about it, your comfort, your cup of tea, your cup of coffee, that's what we're making. You know, and you know, we've we had some distressed people, aren't we? We've wrote their husband's or wife's mug. What mug do you have at home? Plain white. Next, we go over to the glazing department, and Andy and Jason explain the importance of this final finishing area. So that's your biscuit uh, piece fired. It's uh, been through the vibro machine downstairs, and that's ready to go into. This is a glaze, so that'll be hand dipped in, shaken off, put onto the dryer. So. What we've just seen. So everything is hand glazed? On the hollowware, so any cups, mugs, right. teapots, it's all hand done. But again, it's so important to us that the products are perfect. No penholes, no glaze runs, no spec. Again, because look. Otherwise, the transfers don't stick on them. Not necessarily, it's people want perfect products at the end of the day. And again, this is what we're, you know, the fact that we've, we've, we've got the control over the quality, the continuity, because it's made here. They're not waiting for a container to turn up from you know, the Far East and what you can actually find when you open that container up. So again, this is where we can make sure that everything's absolutely tip-top, basically. Um, then what's over here, we've got um, basically this, this. These have actually just been hand glazed. So what's coming off here at the moment is actually glazing this end, putting on, and then once he's too calf, it's like the other end and glazing again. So he's actually operating a piece of machinery on his own at the so moment. It's basically the whole product. It's got it all in his hair. <laughs> yeah. It's basically the whole thing is totally glazed. So what Mark's doing at the end, it's, it's foot wiping. So the underneath won't stick to a batter bath factory. So the underneath is back to biscuits. That's what you will get on there. Oh, what, what Mark does actually, the, the, the actual hand dipping is, 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 a, is a sight to behold, you know, for a skill. If you actually watch how he does it, he even runs a finger stopping the drip on the handle. It's such a skill.
So this is a, this is a spray line. So basically, the, it's all done for flat. So any flatware is put through here. So what happens is that the saucer is basically put on one end, so it's a continual belt all the way around. So it, it's sprayed on the back, goes over there, it flips over, and the front front gets sprayed. So it comes along through the dryers, and at the back end, there's another sponge on a belt, and again, it gets, or gets so you're wiping off the glaze. So that from that end there to that end there, it will be fully, fully glazed ready to then go to firing. So where you're dipping by hand on your hollowware, all your flat is actually sprayed. So it's a bit more manual, uh, so sorry, automated. So flat is plate saucers. Yes, basically, yeah. bowls, uh, you know. And then there are teapots, the mugs, are all, cups. All done by hand. Yeah, all done by hand, wow. So after our tour around Dutch's China, we head off about a mile down the road to a much more modern building where heraldic pottery is housed. This is the original business that Andy and Jason first started together and where they hand apply transfers to find bone china. Well, I think we'll go over to the uh, print shop first. Again, it will be a bit noisy in here because it's probably the noisiest yeah. part of the factory. So, actually starts upstairs, which is the design studio. Um, again, if you want to pop up there in a bit, we can uh, show you around. Again, you have a variety um, of different jobs going on in here. Again, ranging from sort of a single colour the job like that one there to kind of multicolour so something like this you see there's your basic four colour process and these are the added spot colours and that's the only way we can get that kind of quality and detail so we still screen printing so if we pop over to we've got a couple of different uh, way or different machines that we use for silk screen printing You've got the semi-automatic, which Lee's working on at the moment. The semi-automatics will put more weight of colour down, so any spot colour work, we use the semi-automatics. Any half-tone four colour work, we, we use a cylinder machine, because that holds more detail, more dot. So every job can be, can be a different uh, machine that, you know, it's the skill of the lads to make sure what machines are being worked on. Yeah, it is complex, really. I mean, you part, I mean, what we're doing here is part chemistry. You know, a little bit of it, there's different glazes, different colours. You've got things like here, you've got a platinum in this. So this colour here will be a, it's an actual platinum when it's fired. So it's a precious metal as oh, well. Wow. Yeah. And ceramics, certain colours, what you see on screen upstairs, what you see printing, what you see finished fired, can be three different colours. Yeah. So it's making, you know, making that exception. And like Jay says, we're kind of chemists. Until you fire something, you don't know how that colour's going to react. So again, salt screen printing, we've, we have to do colour separations, the artwork, fitting things and that in the studio. Once that's done, we'll do the films basically ready to make the screens from it all. So every, every colour we print has got to be separated yeah. as, as your films. Uh, so initially it's, you know, small runs can be quite expensive because there's a setup cost. This is where sometimes how we work it with kind of designer led is that customers could be somebody straight out of college or university and as, as a startup how we work it is that we potentially say look your transfers are your key so the more transfers you print the cheaper it becomes but we we have a minimum run of 25 sheets now that allows somebody to you know who hasn't got a big budget to kind of get something started so they could have a 25 sheet run 
But then we say, look, if you only want six mugs decorating or 20 mugs decorating, it's a quick way without them having to have the full allocation of transfers. So it gets, it gets them foot and into the market. And you're not spending a full budget, basically. I asked the guys whether they thought that the Made in Stoke label had any cachet these days, and this is what they said. What we found nowadays is, right, especially the British ones, so people are happy, to, even if they're giving it away, to have a quality British thing. You know, we've done things for like Silver Spoon and, and say Twinings. We get the mansion though, produced by heraldic pottery for Rudolph. Fine bone china, made in Staffordshire. So we're putting this on every bit of product we can now, and the Duchess one as well. So again, we're building, we're building with other brands. Um, we get freebies as well, bring you some down in a bit. Um, so, but again, you know, we will ask for the packaging, we'll create the graphic, and this, these will be the thing. Again, we'll follow this through. We'll, we'll, they'll have an Instagram story. We'll get, jump onto that Instagram story. All your different colors are there. So it's gonna be an orange wrap around on a mug with, the, this, with that mouth thing on there. But again, you know, every time somebody uses that, that'll become their favourite mug. And rather than one of these disposable things, you know, the dye sub type things, they get you wash paintbrushes out in basically. So that's, that's kind of what we do with that side. That is becoming a growing business for us. So we class it as being high-end promotional, basically. The giveaways, but the giveaways what people will cherish and, and, yeah. and be happy to use. The other side of the business is your things like this kind of stuff, your tourism. This is for a Hillsborough Castle. Historic Real Palace. Yeah. So how we control, so if this, we've just printed this job, so if this, the customer comes back next week, five years time, we control it by what we call keeping progressives. So every colour printed, we keep a record of the colour used, the medium to colour ratio, and what screen it's printed through. And what so, angle? Yeah, so we, <laughs> the angles are our own kind of setup. how we've... So we don't get patterning. So we're, you know, that everything drops into place. So basically, if let's come back for a reprint, the lads will print the first few sheets, make sure they hold the same half tone. So it's this build we'll up. colour build up yeah. of each one. We won't get the point across, it's English fine bone china, it's silk screen printed, it's hand decorated. It's all the, these lovely skills that people have got that we employ. And I think through the whole process, I've only working out 20 odd different sets of hands or such a product. From, from slip casting through to final finished product. I asked Jason how he got into the pottery trade and what made the two of them decide to set up heraldic pottery. I started off yeah. at Wedgwood in design. So I was a, I was a YTS basically at Wedgwood. Um, 80 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 92 years ago. No, 30, 30, 33 years ago, yeah. So basically I, I spent 10 years at Wedgwood sort of learning my craft. Then Wedgwood decided it was probably infinitely better to move everything abroad, um, and, which left an opening for people like me and Andy, so we started Heraldic Pottery, doing small room, bespoke English products. For us, really, it, it's about keeping the jobs going. Actually, if we can create more jobs, uh, that's key to us. You know, we've got, got certain plans that we want to carry out. I think over the group of three companies, we are completely unique. And I can honestly go on record as saying that we're from start to finish, slip casting, the design, print side, offering textiles, we are a one-stop shop. I mean, he's, you know, I don't think I'm doing anybody an injustice by saying that. And obviously, again, you know, we, we certainly want to see all the other companies thriving and we want to work with all the other companies in the industry here as well. 
At this point, we go over to the other side of the workshop where there are several ladies carefully applying the transfers to the bone china. It's a such an impressive skill when you see it being done in real life. And here's Andy explaining the process and how transfer printing differs to digital printing. Basically, the print's done, transfer's done. It's then submerged into water and it becomes a water slide transfer. So what uh, Sandra's doing there now is basically rubbing it down, pointing to position on the mug. Because it's a shaped, a shaped mug, there's a little bit more manipulation to do compared to a straight-sided mug. So it's pulling it round into position. Pass that digital there, on. That's your digital. I mean, it hasn't been fired. It hasn't been fired, but you can see. Yeah. That was all only so we can see how it fits on the piece. Yeah. If I fired that, it'd be um, really dirty, the colours are. Basically, because there's no true magenta in ceramics, so it chucks all the colours out, basically. And we also spot colours so you don't get the dot and tone of the screen. So again, that's where you know, the designs vary depending on, on what we're doing. Um, is it more expensive to do digital or screen as well? Digital's, digital's quite expensive, to be honest, because of the cost of the colours. And like I say, you've got, um, there's no consistency with it. The colours vary from batch to batch. So it's expensive. Uh, you can get things like print lines in the printing with the stuff. It's not very good at doing pastel colours. So again, it's, it's digital's all right if you want a one-off plate for, I don't know, your sister's birthday and you want send her a happy birthday plate. As a one-off, it suffices for what that is. As well as big corporate clients, heraldic pottery work with a lot of new designers and small businesses who want their designs put onto ceramics such as mugs and plates. Here, Jason explains the service that they provide to these types of businesses. So again, all the ladies will be doing different, different products as you, as you come along here. Um, like Andy was saying earlier, what he gives the, the people opportunity to do is order decals from us. So you can get your price point, depending on if you want to you know, bring your cost down of a product, order more decals. What it does help people with is anybody who wants to just get a new product out there, do a very small run, test the market with a quality product, basically. And again, they can call off as many or as, or as few as they want to until the decals have gone. Um, and just budget for what, you, for what you're happy to, to go with initially. I mean, a lot of clients we've got, perhaps have got a limited space, you know, you flat in London, it's, you know, you know, space is a premium. So they'll, they'll also order what they want. We can direct dispatch as well for, for clients. We even do a small order fulfillment, don't we, and yeah. as well. So there's lots of services. Now onto the part of the process where the ceramics are fired and the final quality checks are being done. You know, the mugs come in, obviously, all these things are from Dutchies. Anything that comes in the white trays yeah. is our product. Um, again, after this is done, it goes over to, obviously, it's down to the kilns where yeah. it's fired. Then it's empty from the kilns, it's took over to selection. So again, we're really pernickety about quality. If something isn't right, it's turned out, it's replaced. Uh, and again, a client wouldn't get a substandard mug off us. Again, that's what we based our way. I mean, I think our official way that we put it is, if we're making a product, it's quality, service, and then cost. If people are after cost, it doesn't always work in the dynamic. There's another kiln here that you haven't, you haven't seen these, yet. These kilns are what we call... Oh. This is a fast fire kiln, so right. again, you've got stuff coming through here. Anything that's kind of, if we need to turn in volume for people, yeah. this helps with that. Again, we're unique. There's no other company who's got a, um, a fast fire kiln. Um, is that what that's called, a fast fire Fast kiln. fire. It's a road to fast fire, basically. So this fire's in just over an hour. 
Um, but what it does is gives you consistent colours. So again, this will be one that's been turned out through quality. See the lines in it? Yeah. So that won't go in a basket, it won't, won't end up. So again, we, and if we make a product for somebody, we're covering for best quality. No pinholes, no glaze runs, no bad print. So if we had, if that was 100 mugs and 50 were wrong, we'd replace them. That's everything that we do. We don't expect anybody to accept anything that's substandard from us. And that's where we set the stall out. So that's the end of our little tour around heraldic pottery. After that, I sat down with Andy and Jason to get more of their views about where they think the UK ceramics industry is heading. Thanks so much for the tour. You've got an amazing, really incredible business here. And it occurs to me as we've been going round, what a sort of specialist skills everyone's that, that is using that is working for you. Do you think that the pottery trade in Stoke is still dying or do you think it can be revived? Um, there's, there's certainly um, an upsurge and people wanting um, you know, British made products, um, the sustainability, um, also sort of timescales and actually coming to somebody you, you know you can trust to get the products off. Uh, and the fact, you know, we encourage factory visits, you know, we bring designers in, creatives and obviously we like to um, show them around um, and you know actually show them first hand what we do um, prior to you know even, even spending any money so that's you know, somewhere where I think we've got a huge advantage and I suppose the fact that we you know that the three companies now run well together where we can make the whiteware we can print the decals and, and decorate a fire you know organise the shipping or whatever so yeah certainly from our point of view these um been a huge um, increase in um, you know productivity and, um, and and new orders coming to us as well and existing ones. And you've got that all important made in England backstamp on those products that you're that you're developing. Do you think how much cachet do you think that backstamp has got? And if so, who who is it with? Is it coming from certain certain areas of the world? I think the uh, the actual Duchess China backstamp uh, does date back uh, 120 years plus, uh, which it has been renowned as a a household brand, and uh, not just in this country but uh, all over the world. Uh, so we're trying to obviously take that back and and get the Duchess brand back up to where it was probably 20, 25 years ago. Uh, so it's it's a very important. Uh, aspects of uh, the product we put out it's it's putting that quality name uh with a, a quality british product brilliant and you really as you said to me when you're on the tour you are the industry disruptors in stoke you know you're a small independent company there's the two of you you're making everything here and so many of the other big brands that people know of in the pottery industry have gone overseas so what are your plans for for the business and particularly for Dutch's china going forward well, we, we um, recently, obviously, we haven't been able to discuss it with you, but we've just managed to get in with um, a few sort of well-known hotels, sort of um, banqueting um, things, which is growing. Uh, our plans to go forward now is actually actively seeking the work, so a sales staff, uh, perhaps a slick brochure website, and actually targeting the clients that we want. So very much the sort of Michelin star um, type thing, uh, we've just managed to get um, stuff in with people like Fendi into Harrods. Oh, wow. Uh, we're, in, we're in talks with, you know, we've just done a couple of um, 
sort of bespoke events with um, the likes of Alexandra McQueen, the Sarah Band, mm. and also stuff that's been done at um, um, with Prince Charles uh, as the head of the um, Elephant uh, Charity. So there's, yeah, there's lots of things going. It's all going under the uh, the Duchess 1888 um, uh, uh, banner, basically. So yeah, we've got we've got big plans, and I think we to be in a position where we can actually cherry pick um, the clients and the and the product going forward. I mean, we'll still see smaller clients um, at the heraldic site, but I think you know we've got big plans for the Duchess and you know, as I was saying, the sort of quality service and the sustainability aspect that we can offer there. And you've got an incredible building there as well. So are the plans to? sort of restore that back to its former glory and maybe let sort of the public come in on tours? Yeah, we're looking, as, as you've seen on the on the tour today, that the the factory itself does need a bit of TLC. Uh, we are obviously mindful of that, but as, as everything happens, it, it costs money to, uh, to, yeah. to get improvements done, which will, you know, we, we've got a long-term plan to... Uh, improve everything as a business and part of that is the the building uh we do like to invite people to come potential customers to see the processes and part of that is you know the first point of call is you know making sure that the factory looks a good factory and the people are, are going to deem it as a you know, quality items are going to come out of there so it is mindful and we are i've already started uh improving areas uh, slowly but uh, but surely brilliant well keep up the good work thank you very much for having me uh showing me around and i will see you again soon okay thanks very much kate yeah. our, our pleasure kate welcome anytime thank you for listening to the make it british podcast I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday, plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally. So don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live. And if you enjoyed the show, I would really love it if you left me just a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye.